the collapse of the Democratic Party has become sad and hilarious at the same time. It's actually pretty sad, but it's funny because of the things they're doing in desperation. Come on, you got to have a sense of humor about these things. But if I were to ask you right now to think of a Democrat, what do you picture? A woke far leftist complaining about bigotry? A dirtbag socialist complaining about the 1%? Or do you picture Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden? These groups of people do not agree on, on basically anything other than not liking Donald Trump. So how could you claim they're all part of the same party? In fact, they are not. Ocasio-Cortez recently said as much. She said in any other country, she and Joe Biden would not be in the same party. And she is right. The only problem with that statement, the Republican Party is basically unified, almost entirely unified behind Donald Trump. So so at this point, it's fair to say the Republican Party knows what they want and are unified. And the Democrats are a bunch of different groups that are fighting with each other. This fight, the internal civil war and the the Democratic Party has been coming to a head recently as we recently saw many progressives try to unseat more House Democrats through the primary process and failed. They tried to pull what AOC did back in 2018. For the most part, these primaries failed in 2018, but a few people got through. This time around, it seems like they might not be making it. It may be, dare I say, Now, the latest news about the moderate Democrat victories in these primary races back on Super Tuesday, the Democratic Party is shoring up its defenses. It is regaining control. It has taken back the reins. Well, I think it's fair to say that up until you read the latest news. Well, basically considering that Joe Biden is their last ditch effort to stop Bernie Sanders. Then I I got to have I'm going to have to say no. They may be defending themselves from some progressives, but they are getting absolutely crushed across the board in every other way. Recently, and this is the big breaking news, and I think this is where we get sad and funny. Politico's reported that Joe Biden would like to sit down at the next Democratic debate. I'm not exaggerating. Now, the Biden campaign says that it wasn't their idea. It was the DNC. Okay, establishment Democrats are trying to put on a audi- an audience Q&A style debate where Bernie and Joe Biden will be sitting down. Why? Well, because they're both really old men, 78-year-old, a 78-year-old who just had a heart attack and a 77-year-old who just speaks in gibberish all day. Now, Bernie Sanders has pushed back. He has my respect for this, saying, no, keep the deba- debate format the same way. I will stand up to Joe Biden. Joe Biden is scared to stand up. I don't think Joe Biden's scared to stand up. I don't think he can stand up. You got to understand in these debates, Joe Biden wasn't talking all the time. He'd often break into incoherent rambling and then apologize for his time being up. It's about time we called this out for what it is. The Democratic establishment has collapsed. The best thing they can do is take an old relic of a bygone era and put him in a chair because he can't stand up while he mutters incoherently. That is not leadership. There is no leadership. There is no party. It is a group, it is a bunch of different factions who believe a bunch of different things, all vying for the brand title Democrat. But let's get real. Joe Biden is not gaffing. These are not gaffes and stop saying it. This is incoherent gibberish. And I am not kidding. When Joe Biden recently said, I'm running for the Senate. And if you don't like it, vote for the other Biden. That's not a gaffe. That's him losing it. And why won't people call it out? Well, actually, I take that back. They will. On the left and the right, 
They have called it out. So here's what I'm doing. Okay, let, let, me, let me slow down. Let's jump into the story. And I kid you not, they are calling for Joe Biden to sit down at the next debate. Can you imagine what's going to happen when Biden debates Trump? I'm sorry. If this was the best the party could do, they are a relic of a bygone era with nothing left to offer the American people other than an old man sitting in a chair muttering incoherently. That is not even an exaggeration. I wish it was. Let's read the story from Politico. However, before we get started, as per usual, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can support me, but the best thing you can do, share this, share this video. I think uh, the Bernie Sanders supporters might get get a kick out of this one too. So maybe we'll break some echo chambers because Joe Biden should not be the candidate. I'm sorry. Look, Joe Joe Biden should, I'm I'm sorry, the nominee. Joe Biden is is the front runner right now. Maybe he'll win, maybe he won't. But I, I look, the polls... Man, does it look bad. It really does look bad. And, and Tulsi Gabbard's right there. She's not going to win, though. You got to be you, you, seriously. If you think Bernie Sanders, 78, and Joe Biden, 77, are the best picks, when you got Tulsi Gabbard in her late 30s, who's actually a major in the National Guard, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. Fine. Whatever. You do you. But anyway, share the video to help support the channel. And also, if you haven't already, you should subscribe, hit the notification bell so that YouTube actually makes sure you get the videos I make because they've been suppressing political commentary like mine and many others. But let's read the story. Political reports. Bernie Sanders wants to stand up at the next debate, and his campaign is accusing Joe Biden of wanting to sit down. During a private call Friday with CNN, which is moderating the March 15th debate with the Democratic National Committee, Sanders' team balked at a new proposed format debate, saying it gives opponent Biden too much of a break in their first one-on-one face-off. Biden's camp denied that it was pressing for a sit-down debate. The format for the next debate in Arizona, the first since Biden's blowout Super Tuesday victories, would have the candidates seated for the first time this election cycle and take multiple questions from the audience. In the prior 10 debates, the candidates stood at lecterns and nearly all questions were asked by professional moderators. Quote, why does Joe Biden not want to stand toe to toe with Senator Sanders on the debate stage March 15th and have an opportunity to defend his record and articulate his vision for the future? Asked Jeff Weaver, Sanders senior advisor. Biden's campaign and the DNC said the format for the debate was decided by the party and CNN. The news network declined to comment and referred questions to the DNC. We will participate in whatever debate CNN chose, chooses to stage, standing, sitting at, podi- uh, sitting at podiums or in a town hall, Biden's deputy campaign manager, Kate Bedingfield, said. The problem for the Sanders campaign is not the staging of the debate, but rather the weakness of Senator Sanders' records and ideas. What a non-answer. The DNC and CNN know that Joe Biden can't stand up and talk for two hours against one person. So they want to get him a chair to sit down. And are you kidding me? And you're going to put this man up against Donald Trump? First issue. This is sad. This I am offended by. Did you know that Barack Obama told Joe Biden, Joe, you don't have to do this. I feel bad for Joe Biden. I don't know why he's doing this. I can only feel so bad for him because I don't trust his family and what he's done with his career. But come on, man, at 77, why are you doing this, man? Your, 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 his, your legacy, your career is now nothing but incoherent gibberish, and they're going to put you in a seat. Can you imagine what would happen if Joe Biden stood next to Donald Trump? You've got to be kidding me. At least Bernie Sanders can stand up and speak. Joe Biden can't do it. But here we are, because it's not just the DNC, man. It is the Democratic voters. 
Unless, of course, the media is lying, which I don't I don't think all of these polls are lying. But boy, will I tell you, man, the voters of the Democratic Party are also propping up Joe Biden. Let me ask you a sincere and serious question. Given all of the faults of every candidate, including Tulsi Gabbard, why would you choose a 77 year old man who literally can't speak over Tulsi Gabbard? I just don't get it. Seriously, Tulsi, do you, do these people really have Tulsi derangement syndrome? What has she done to warrant this? I, I think it's, it's, it's shocking, downright shocking that people are given the choice and they're like, well, Biden can't really speak English. He often uh, speaks incoherent. Uh, you know, he says incoherent gibberish on stage. I want that guy. You think he's going to be Trump? Are you out of your minds? Can only assume the answer is yes. You know the thing. Biden botches declaration of independence, quote, during campaign stop. Did you know Joe Rogan recently said in a podcast, I'm sorry you can't be president. And you know why? Because Joe Biden said this, and I quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All <laughs> that all men and women created by, you know, go, you know, the thing. Go, you know, you know, the thing. No, no, Joe, I don't know the thing. Did you mean God? I kid you not. This is this is him. Just it's incoherent gibberish. It literally means nothing. Oh, but there's more. Joe Biden says he's running for United States Senate. And here's the quote. Here, here is Joe Biden saying to the crowd in South Carolina that he is running for the United States Senate and that if they don't like him, they can vote for the other Biden. All right, man. A lot of people on the left, Bernie supporters, have argued that the primary has been rigged, literally rigged like votes have been changed. Now, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. But I'll tell you what, if there was anything to convince me that the entire process is rigged and the DNC is flipping votes, it would be this. How does Joe Biden go to a crowd and say, I'm running for Senate, but win the presidential nomination majority in the, in the nomination process? How does he go in there and say, if you don't like it, vote for the other Biden and still win? Wow, people must really hate Bernie Sanders. Yikes. Yeah, and Tulsi Gabbard, I guess she was still in the race, but the rest of them, you know, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, are you kidding me? You chose that over Buttigieg? Man, I thought Buttigieg was boring, but this takes, a, takes the cake. It's a whole new level of just complete insanity. Joe Biden, in my opinion, is suffering from, you know, some kind of late, you know, late in life mental sundowning or something. I'm trying to be nice, man. I'm not going to say, you know, particular words or insinuate a diagnosis or anything, but come on, dude. The cognitive decline of this man should be obvious to everyone. But let me reiterate the point of what I'm trying to make with, about this video, because I have more. I can t- I'm going to talk about Bernie, too. Don't you don't you uh, uh, don't you fret. You Bernie supporters are going to get mad at me. But hey, it is what it is. The, th- this is the end of, of the Democratic Party, at least for now, in this current iteration. Of course, the brand name will be adopted by someone else, but there's no party right now. This was the best the DNC could muster. This is it. Joe Biden. Biden goof hails, I kid you not, I'm quoting, oh, Biden, Obama Democrats during stump speech. Oh, Biden? He doesn't even know his own name. He called himself Obama. Biden called himself Obama. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Well, Politico takes note in kind of what I would say is one of the funniest ways possible. 2020 becomes the dementia campaign. Biden and Trump partisans trade charges of senility 
In an era of aging candidates, no, 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 I'm not, not, no, no way. No, sorry. They try to make it seem like because Trump has had some gaffes, he is anywhere near on par with Joe Biden. Joe Biden messed up his own name on more than one occasion. Everybody gaffes. Everybody says the wrong word. We had an anchor for MSNBC saying offensive word, an accident by combining two sports, you know, teams names. We don't call her demented. Just because Donald Trump has had some gaffes doesn't mean you can compare him to Joe Biden. Now, of course, Politico is referring to supporters of the two. And of course, they've tried slinging mud from every direction at Trump. But I'm sorry, it's just not not the same. Look, I think Trump says some dumb things for sure. But to even try to compare that of, of, of Biden, what Biden says is just wrong, wrong, wrong in a million ways. Now, here's where it gets kind of sad and scary. Law and crime says sundowning frontrunner activists question Biden's cognitive decline. Do you know what sundowning is? It's basically as, as it gets later in the day, people who are have early onset Alzheimer's or other, you know, cognitive decline start losing their ability to function properly. And a lot of people have speculated that Joe Biden actually is experiencing sundown syndrome. It's been reported on in the past year. Let me show you a story. This is from Vanity Fair. Biden allies float new anti-gaff strategy, talking less. He needs to be a strong force in the campaign trail, said one source close to the Biden campaign. But he also has to pace himself. It's so strange. Trump ain't pacing himself. He's flying around, going to all these cities while these debates are going on and these primary states, and he's pulling record GOP voter turnout. Trump's got energy. Joe Biden certainly does not. Some people believe that he is experiencing sundowning. So this is from Medicine Net. They say sundowning, also known as sundown syndrome, a term used to refer to the behavioral changes that often occur in the late afternoon or evening with people with Alzheimer's disease and similar conditions. The behavioral change changes may take the form of aggression, agitation, delusions, hallucinations, paranormal, paranoia, increased disorientation, or wandering and pacing about. Experts are not sure why these changes occur at this time of day. Possible explanations include hormonal factors, reduced vision due to lower lights, tiredness, boredom, and the absence of planned activities, or stress and anxiety of the caregiver that is communicating with the patient. Now, I think it's a bit hyperbolic to say he's sundowning because it's a direct reference to Alzheimer's. But what they basically insinuate is that Joe Biden on on the debate stage, as it gets late in the day, is just too tired to function properly. His eyes are glazed over. He's at the podium. It's it's 11 p.m. now for these late Democratic debates. And he just mutters and he mutters incoherently. There was one, I think Julian Castro was like, Joe, you just contradicted yourself. You a minute ago said, you know, we would take away health care. Now you're saying people can choose are you forgetting what you literally just said a minute ago? And Joe Biden's, I, I, I said, and he's just muttering. Standing there incoherently was the best they had to offer. Now, I got I to throw it to Ryan Grimm here because he makes an excellent point. Ryan Grimm, journalist with The Intercept, says, serious question for Biden supporters. How do you counter this narrative in a general election? You don't. There's no defense. He literally said he was running for the U.S. Senate. And if you didn't like it, vote for the other Biden. What? You mean the other candidates? He called himself Obama, the O'Biden Obama. What do you don't even know your own name? You want to call it a gaffe? You are wrong. He's experiencing massive and rapid cognitive decline. Grimm goes on to say, what's fascinating 
is that in these replies, not a single Biden supporter argued that he's not actually sundowning and it's being blown out of proportion. Even and especially his supporters know it's happening. This is frightening. I agree 100 percent. I think Donald Trump says dumb things relatively often. It is what it is. But you cannot compare Trump's gaffes and misstatements to Joe Biden. When Donald Trump says something wrong, it's typically because he's just ignorant about the issue and he's overly confident. You know, that's one of Trump's biggest setbacks is that he's just so sure of himself. And sometimes he says things that are just wrong. But you can be wrong and you can be arrogant. And in fact, as much as you might not like it, a lot of people voted for the guy because he's so sure of himself, to put it mildly. I think Trump is extremely arrogant. But a lot of people like that. And a president, whether he's right or wrong, they know he's got a plan and he's going to see it through for all of his faults. You cannot compare general ignorance on many issues combined with overconfidence. And of course, Trump has gaffes with what we're seeing with Joe Biden. And I think even the progressives on the left recognize that. There, now, now, look, you've got people who are calling out Trump saying, well, what about Trump's cognitive decline? But the people who are pro Bernie right now, people, the progressives on the left, people like The Intercept, recognize whatever whatever is wrong with Trump ain't nothing compared to Joe Biden. And that's why they're like, Biden will be crushed by Trump. It, I, I'm, I'm telling you this right now. I think it's sad what's happening to Joe. I really do. Part, it, it's in the sense, a lot of his gaffes are funny. Come on, have a sense of humor a bit. But it is kind of mean and sad to laugh at the guy. This is not him just accidentally saying something dumb. This is a guy who doesn't know where he is. I'm not exaggerating. He often says he's in the wrong place. It happens too often. It's sad. But I'll tell you what's going to be funny. It's going to be entertaining to see Joe Biden sitting down while Trump stands up and Trump just roasts him. When, when, you can call him a debate. If, if slash when Joe Biden makes it to the general debates against Trump, it will be like watching a Comedy Central roast with Biden sitting there muttering to himself, saying incoherent gibberish while Trump just tears him apart. It will be the easiest election we've ever seen. And Trump will landslide. I think no matter what happens, we are looking at Trump sweeping 40 states. You know, we'll see. I could be wrong. But let me let me let me make sure I remind you. No matter what happens, Trump is going to landslide because even Bernie has his faults. Vox.com wrote this. Bernie Sanders looks electable in surveys, but it could be a mirage. New research suggests Sanders would drive swing voters to Trump and he would need a youthful, a youth turnout miracle to compensate. I think it's fair to say Bernie Sanders is a socialist. He's proposed a lot of plans that he cannot explain how they will be paid for. Now, I know there may be some Bernie Sanders supporters who have watched this because they appreciate me ragging on Biden, but y'all got some criticism coming your way. Bernie Sanders is the better of the two candidates right now. And in my opinion, I think Tulsi Gabbard, she's still in the race. She's better than both because she's just young. But between Biden and Bernie, Bernie should absolutely be the choice of the Democrats because Biden is just not there. But Bernie has his faults. Bernie has flip flopped on immigration and 2A. And Bernie Sanders, well, he's a 78 year old who just had a heart attack. I don't think it would be fair for me to criticize the cognitive state of Joe Biden if I didn't also criticize Bernie Sanders' health issues as well. And it's serious for someone his age. There was one article, I think it was the Daily Beast, of course. People, No, no, I think this might have been Vanity Fair. I'm not sure. I don't have it pulled up, so fact check me. They basically said the chances of him having another heart attack between now and the election, it's actually 35%. 
Again, fact check me on that one. I usually don't like to give out numbers unless I have the article, so I could be wrong. But it is high. Someone his age with a heart attack has a, has a decent chance of it occurring again. I think Bernie will do infinitely better than Biden in a debate against Trump. And I actually look forward to that. I really, really do. Because, you know, Donald Trump has said in the past, there was a leaked recording that he was concerned about going up against Bernie Sanders because Bernie's a guy, a trade guy. And that's one of Trump's strong points. I think that's something good the American people could hear. I don't think Bernie would win, but Bernie should be the choice at this point. Now, I, I got to say, I think the Democrats had an opportunity to pick neither of the two, but you know, they've, they've, they've made their moves. And now here's what's left. The fact they're moving forward with Biden to me is just downright hilarious. But here's what, here's what, here's what I want to get to. Vox says Bernie is going to drive swing voters to Trump. And I agree with that. He'll need a youth voter miracle. This was on February 25th. Well, here's the bad news. On March 6th, NPR reported Bernie Sanders' call for young voters isn't working out the way he planned because the young youth vote did not come out. Youth voters weren't there. The push that Bernie Sanders needed to beat Biden did not show up. And here's what I've said in the past couple of days. Listen, man, when you try to convince people with no money to buy your product, don't be surprised when they literally don't buy your product. Young voters never come out to vote. And you tried courting them thinking this is the time we're going to hit that sweet mineral vein of gold that's been, you know, underutilized. The youth vote will finally come out and we will win. And they did not. Youth voter turnout, my understanding, was actually good in some very obvious states, but not in the states, not in many others. The ones where uh, Bernie won, I think he had a decent turnout from young voters. The eight, I believe, however many he lost, the youth vote didn't turn out. So what's the point of saying you can get, you can make it with the youth vote if they don't show up where you need them to? And that's the sad truth about Bernie Sanders. Now, this story, okay, I got to issue a little uh, correction for all the people who are sharing this because Donald Trump tweeted this too. Donald Trump retweeted edited version of Joe Biden's speech mistakenly endorsing him for president. Joe Biden said something like in his latest gaffe, you, you, we can't win re-election. No, we, we can't re-elect. I'm sorry. We can only re-elect Donald Trump. That's what everyone heard. And the video cuts out. He then says, we can, he says, we can only re-elect Donald Trump. Pause. If we continue with this circular firing squad. And there it was. But of course, that clip was taken by the Trump campaign out of context. I understand it's funny, but that is, in my opinion, deceptive. Joe Biden did not say we can only re-elect Trump. The full sentence was, we, we can only re-elect him if we engage. Actually, we have the quote here. He said, we can only re-elect Donald Trump if, in fact, we engage in this circular firing squad here. I do not like it when people take quotes out of context. Often we see fact-checking of edited meme videos. I understand that's stupid. Like when Bloomberg made a video with crickets chirping, they were like, it's a fake video. Oh, calm down. It was a joke. This is different. A lot of people are saying to me like, dude, did you hear him accidentally say we're going to reelect Trump? And I was like, that was a full sentence that was cut in half. But of course, I'm not here to just rag on Trump supporters. I'm going to throw some mud at y'all Bernie Sanders fans too. In this clip where uh, Joe Rogan says Biden is effed on the Bernie Sanders subreddit, we can see that one of the moderators said breaking Biden admits he can't win and Trump will be reelected. Not even kidding. And they link to the clip where Biden doesn't finish his sentence. So look, the populists are coming for the establishment. I get it. People are going to play politics. I get it. All that matters is regardless of who you support, be it Bernie or Trump, if, if, I'm, no, if all that matters, if you're a Biden supporter, you need to wake up. Seriously, wake up. 
Now, maybe Bernie Sanders will drive swing voters to Donald Trump. That could be the issue. But all I can really say is I'm pretty sure Joe Biden, man, Joe Biden's going to get nothing. I mean, who's going to vote for the guy? You expect a moderate like me to support a guy who can't talk straight? Man, I am. Look, I'll, I'll admit I'm one of the hardest people to convince to vote for you. So that's fair. My votes my you know, my, my opinion is probably not valuable in trying to figure out who's going to vote for you. But boy, I'll tell you what, it is. <laughs> Joe Biden is going nowhere, nowhere fast. Bernie will get the activist vote. Biden will get the begrudging, you know, I don't know, blind partisan vote. But I think Trump's sweeping this one clean in November. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash News, and I will see you all there. This morning, we have a culture war hat trick. We got social media censorship, political bias from a social media company, and we have information about a famous socialist who, as it turns out, comes from an extremely wealthy family. Why, yes, none other than Carlos Maza, the man who triggered a massive YouTube apocalypse because he was angry that late night host Steven Crowder said naughty words about him on YouTube. This resulted in tons of channels getting purged. Well, the other day, John Levine of the New York Post published a story exposing Maza as coming from an extremely wealthy family, having multiple homes, basically being a socialist with a silver spoon. Now, of course, people like Maza say, but I should use my privilege to fight for the working class. I love how these rich people who end up becoming socialists think the solution to help the working class is to take away the right of them to freely trade their labor. Yes, because under a socialist system, those poor working class people would literally not be allowed to determine how their label, their labor is distributed. So here's what happens next. John Levine actually gets suspended from Twitter for posting images of one of Maza's is one of the homes of Carlos Maza's family. Now you may say, Tim, that is completely warranted. John Levine published photos of a man's private home. You can't do that. Okay. Well, I will say this is censorship and I will show you the bias. You know why? I might actually take that claim seriously that you shouldn't post photos of someone's home if Carlos Maza got suspended for doing the same thing last month. Why? Yes. Carlos Maza published images of James Carville's home and no one cared. He accused Carville of being a grifter for wearing regular clothes. Well, let me tell you what a grifter really is. A grifter is someone like Carlos Maza who grew up with extreme wealth, never knew hardship and tries claiming in his response to this that I, I too have known what it's like to, to struggle to make ends meet. Now, in the same statement, he's like, my family pays my rent. He lives in New York. His family pays his rent. Now, now hold on a second. See, here's the thing. I don't care if you're rich and you want to advocate for socialism or any of these things. There's two issues here. For one, I find it interesting that people like Maza so often have to defend this issue. Why? A lot of people rush to his defense saying, you can be rich and do this. Why would Maza at all feel uncomfortable being exposed as a super wealthy individual as being, dare I say, the 1%? Because it is hypocritical to not tell that to people in the first place, to withhold that information and keep it private. Well, to an extent, it, it is difficult. And I do think it's okay for someone to be rich and do this. But it does seem hypocritical to me that he would not be like, by the way, guys, you know, I grew up in, in it, it's only when he gets exposed, does he try making an excuse for it? And I just come out and say, you're rich. So what, man? You know, I, I think the issue is that he's, he, he, he wanted to have this air of being a downtrodden working class hero. And now that he's exposed, he's just another rich guy. 
But the thing that the bigger problem I have with this, and it's not the Patreon stuff. It's this idea that you as this wealthy individual who have who has never known struggle, never. Now he'll claim he did. No, please let me know when you're sleeping on a park bench and you're trying to figure out if you should buy the Band-Aid for your, your, your split thumb or the cheeseburger because you haven't eaten in a day. You want to talk about struggle. This guy's never experienced that. But he's going to claim to fight on your behalf. And his, and his solution is to take away your right to freely trade your labor. That's socialism. All right. So I, I think these people are hypocrites. But let's, let's, let's get into the story. I want to first read to you about the life of luxury Carl Smaza lived. And I'm going to call him out as a hypocrite and completely out of touch, ivory tower, silver spoon elite who has no idea what he's talking about. And I love it. You know why? There was that Hidden Tribes report where they said that the progressive left tends to be upper class college educated with over $100,000 per year salary. Wonder why that is, because they don't know what it's like to actually have to struggle. And so they think if the government just does everything, everything will be okay. (laughs) Let's read the story. And then we'll talk about John Levine getting suspended. And I'll, I'll do this too. Give a shout out to John. His Twitter handle is at Levine Jonathan, L-E-V-I-N-E, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. I'm giving him a shout out because he got suspended over this. And there are very few journalists who are willing to call out the, the shenanigans. I know New York Post is pretty conservative, but I guess if you're going to if you're going to get hit by this, I'll shout you out. Uh, Levine writes, Carlos Maza doesn't like rich people. The social media socialist with more than 150,000 followers on Twitter and YouTube combined regularly uses his platform platforms to rail against the wealthy and powerful and urges his fans to be skeptical of their opinions. Quote, just found out James Carville, who spends his time lecturing uh, Democrats for being too far left, lives in an absolutely obscene four story mansion. Maza said in one such example from February, blasting the longtime Democratic strategist and posting a photo of Carville's home to his Twitter account. Dear God, can we stop taking political advice from the ultra wealthy? He bemoaned. You really have to respect this guy's grift, constantly dressing in normal clothes on TV to feign relatability while living in this masterful con artist. Wow, I couldn't have said it better myself, Carlos. You just described yourself with your massive Boca Raton family mansions, multiple properties and condos on the Upper West Side of New York. Now I get it. It's your family. But that family is is still a part of you. They pay your rent. Can we please stop taking political advice from the ultra wealthy to quote Carlos Maza? Take a look at this. Wearing normal clothes to feign relatability. Literally what Maza does. Because he should have added a caveat. Mind you, I am rich too, but I'm calling them out. Oh, please spare us. Carlos didn't want anyone to know this. He is upset he's being exposed because he's a hypocrite. Just last month, he called out James Carville for living in in an obscene four-story mansion. I love it. I'm pretty sure his family has more properties than Carville. Well, I could be wrong. Whatever. The point is, he's rich. We should treat gay people the same way we treat straight people, eating them when they get too rich, he said in another post. Like any good online socialist, Maza raises money for his internet presence through a Patreon account, where comrades, a word Carlos uses to describe his supporters, can fund him in increments of two, five dollars and ten dollars a month. But if Maza wants to start eating the rich, he may have to begin with his own family. Now, first of all, I see no issue with Maza raising money on Patreon at all, even if he is rich. When I look at how the internet operates, I think back to when Radiohead, I think it was Radiohead, did the pay what you will model for one of their albums. This was a long time ago. Maza could absolutely say it's 10 bucks a month to get access to all my content. Or he can say, I'll give it to you for free. Please contribute so I can keep working. I actually think it's a good model. So I have absolutely no problem with that. 
You can look at a ton of high profile creators who have pretty you know, successful careers and make a ton of money and have a Patreon or a PayPal, myself included. My YouTubes do really well. And I have a Patreon for people or I'm sorry, I don't have a Patreon. I hate Patreon. But you know, you, you, you can look to literally everybody. I think it would be hypocritical to call out Maza for doing that. It's not hypocritical to call him out for claiming we shouldn't take advice from the rich when he literally produces political commentary and he's rich. He's lying. Carlos Maza is a grifter by their own definition. By their own definition, that would make him a con artist. Telling you the rich are bad, don't take their advice, but not telling you he's one of them. It's a paradox. Now, here's where it gets funny. He posted these images of James Carville's home, and apparently that's okay. John Levine did the same thing, and he got suspended. Welcome to the political bias that exists on social media. Just another grain of sand in the heap, proving that it is real, that Carlos Maza can post images of someone he doesn't like of of his home. But when John Levine does it, he gets suspended. Isn't it funny how that works? When you expose the con artist grifters on the left, well, you're out. He says, you really have to respect this guy's grift. Oh, I really respect your grift too, Carlos. Constantly dressing in normal clothes on TV to feign relatability while living like this masterful con artist. Wait till you see the pictures of Carlos's house. Through his clan, the millennial firebrand is connected to multiple Florida mega mansions, a $7.1 million pad on the Upper West Side purchased under an LLC, and a yacht by luxury maker Boat Donzi. Maza's mother, Vivian Maza, was one of the first employees at Ultimate Software, a Florida-based behemoth, which now employs more than 5,000 people. Starting in 1990 as an office manager, she ultimately rose to become the group's chief people officer in 04. In addition to her day job, Vivian Maza also developed a very close personal relationship with company founder Scott Scher, so close that an independent assessment of the company in 2016 cited the relationship as a corporate, corporate governance concern. The report said that they believed the pair to be more than just co-workers and have a familial relationship. The two later became engaged and the couple has lived together for years with Cher being a de facto stepfather to Carlos. Now, I, I have no problem with that. If you're rich and successful and you've got a great company, bravo, Mr. Cher, I tremendous respect. But Carlos Maza should absolutely disclose this. And the reason he didn't, at least in my opinion, is because of the things he says about James Carville, for instance. Look at him. He's rich. Don't listen to him. Because if Carlos Mazo is actually honest about his wealth, he comes off like a com- complete hypocrite. Public records show Vivian, Scott, Carlos, and sister Isabel all registered to vote at a five-bedroom, eight-bathroom waterfront palace in Boca Raton. The property sold in 20... Is it Boca Raton? The property sold in 2018 for $10.8 million, according to Zillow. Cher also unloaded a four-bed, four-bath home in 2015 mansion in West, Western Florida. Now, again... It is important to clarify, this is his stepdad. It's not Carlos Maza's money personally, but he does benefit from it. And Maza admits that he benefits from it. His family is extremely wealthy. He registered to vote in this massive mansion worth nearly $11 million. So I understand because I know a lot of people who are wealthy and I understand when their parents are the ones with the money, they have access to privilege, but they themselves don't have a lot of money to spend. Right. So I've known people who have lived in massive New York condos and skyscrapers because their parents are rich and their parents don't really give them money. I'm not so I'm not going to pretend like Carlos Maza is getting a fat paycheck every month like, you know, he's literally getting millions of dollars. But it is important to point out 
This is where he registered to vote, which should be his primary residence, at least back then. Stands to reason that Carlos Maza lived for a period in a massive multi-million dollar mansion. Let me tell you about privilege, because you want to talk about struggling to make ends meet, Carlos? Let's talk about the people who never had the option to have their family pay their rent or to live in a fancy mansion. And I'm also going to criticize your family for paying your rent because I think it is bad for a person to grow up being handed things, period. So, so there, there are some people I know, like I said, who are rich. Their parents don't give them money. Good. They shouldn't. You got you to earn your keep. Let's read on. So they also say that Vivian currently resides in a $4.4 million two-bed, three-bath luxury condo in Fort, Fort Lauderdale, which she lists as a primary residence. The same LLC, which uh, I guess which owns it, purchased a $7 million condo on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Look at these photos. While serving as the CEO of Ultimate Software, Cher was one of the most handsomely compensated CEOs in the country. In 2015, he took home $38.3 million. I got no beef with Cher. Sounds like he's done an amazing job, has an amazing company, had had the privilege, uh, uh, the, the, the luck to meet someone that he actually loved through his company and married him. And I have tremendous respect for that. I also don't take big issue with him wanting to provide for those in his peripheral, you know, his family, including his new stepkids. The issue I take is the hypocrisy, the privilege, the benefit and the deceit. Carlos Maza isn't being honest about his position. And I wonder if his family knew about this. You don't call out James Carville for being rich while you yourself benefit from all of this. Now, some might say, yes, but he's using his privilege to speak up. No, 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 he's not. If he was, he would have that as part of his identity, that he is a wealthy person doing it. He hid this fact, didn't want anyone to know, and only begrudgingly admitted it before this story came out. He actually said, I have to address this before the smear hits. That's right, because he knows it will look bad. And it does because he's not honest about it. There are tons of rich people who advocate for socialism, who, and everyone knows they're rich and they talk about it. That's fine. But for him to then you know, go after people like Carville shows he's a hypocrite. They say it's not clear how much Vivian and Cher actively support Maza's lifestyle, but evidence suggests the family has been happy to pitch in to help spread his socialist message. Both Cher and Vivian Maza are listed as comrades at the end of Carlos's most recent YouTube video. And the younger Maza himself admitted in an interview with Mel Magazine that his family was there to financially back him if he needed it. Viv and Scott have also pitched in on the rent for Carlos's chic East Village pad just across from Tompkins Square Park. Friends tell the Post, rents for one bedrooms like Carlos's cost upward of $3,000 a month. I think a lot of these people are unhappy. I'm sure this guy is just craving some attention, James Carville told the Post. I don't have a billion dollars, but whatever. Uh, but, but whatever I have, my daddy didn't give me. I think I inherited like $11,000. Maza did not respond to multiple inquiries from the Post, but in a statement posted on Twitter in advance of publication, the socialist fessed up to the silver spoons. Now, now here's the thing. I want, I want to make sure I stress John Levine got suspended over this. Carlos Maza posted photos of Carville's house. No, no issues. John Levine posted publicly available photos and he got suspended for it. Double standard and censorship. Well, Carlos Maza on Twitter issued a statement saying, it looks like there's going to be an article about my family near post. So I figured I'd get out ahead of it. There's a couple things I want to, I want to address because I don't really want to read everything he has to say about this. Okay. It also looks like I can't make this smaller. So it is what it is. He says this, my mom and her fiance are very wealthy. Thanks to a software company. They started together when I was a kid. As a result, I've gotten to live a life of tremendous privilege. I got to go to college without debt and take low paying internships when I graduated without worrying about rent or health insurance. 
his health care and his rent were paid for. But he then goes on to say that he understands what it's like to struggle to make ends meet. He says, I know what it's like to enjoy incredible wealth, and I know what it's like to struggle to make ends meet. No, you don't. You're a liar. That's a lie. You're lying. You want to know what it's like to struggle to make ends meet? It's me, you know, it's, it's, it's sitting in your apartment wondering whether or not you should pay rent this month or you should pay for food because you haven't eaten in a long time, right? Maybe you haven't eaten in a day or two and you're like, I got a couple hundred bucks to give the landlord, got to eat. Or it's whether or not you pay your electric bill or it's whether or not you even have a place to sleep. Struggling to make make ends meet is something you have never experienced. Okay, maybe that's unfair. Maybe he has. I just really, really doubt it. He says, I've spent my professional life trying to use that privilege to advocate for a better world. That includes advocating for economic justice and specifically an economic system that would shift power away from the ultra wealthy and back to the working class. Now, he's either really dumb or he's lying because socialist systems are command economies. That means that you centralize power immediately within a small group of people. Carlos Maza is not advocating for shifting power from the ultra wealthy to the poor. He's advocating for a system where the ultra wealthy will become an elite ruling class that can't have their wealth challenged by a system that allows upward mobility. In every single instance that we have seen of socialism or communism, there will always be a command authority reaping all of the benefits and maintaining that wealth by force. As it stands right now, the ultra wealthy are subject to rules and regulations. I certainly think we can tax rich people more. I certainly think regulations work. I certainly think wealth disparity is a serious problem because it creates resentment and anger. But I do not believe the answer would be to rapidly monopolize the entire system So the people who are already ultra wealthy party members, like the Democratic Party, will now never be able to be challenged. In the current system, you can freely choose to trade your labor as you see fit. And that provides for upward mobility, meaning you can be a homeless high school dropout from the south side of Chicago and then become successful and have a decently sized YouTube channel and make a good living like me. That's why I do not like these socialists. They would prefer people like me stay in the gutter while they stay in their multi, their their massive multi-dollar mansions. Oh, of course they'll say, but we'll give you health care. No, I don't care. I prefer freedom over security always. And they would prefer to strip you of your freedom and lock you down in a system where they will always be on top and can never be removed. He says, I am aware that I am advocating for a system that would shift power away from members of my family. Lie. It would not. People like him become the party elites and they maintain all that power. Now, of course, as we know, when it comes to these grand revolutions, it is people like Carlos Maza who are the first, you know, to go because they're the ones who foment the revolution. That's a fact. When it comes to like, you know, well, I'm not going to call any specific historical event, but the biggest threat to the revolution are those that started it in the first place. So you'll see things like, you know, Robespierre kind of go nuts and take out all the moderates. So actually, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm not, I don't really care too much. He says, nobody is bankrolling my YouTube channel. I was able to go independent because I knew that if disaster struck, if nobody was interested in what I was creating, that I'd have a safety net, that I could count on my family to make sure I wasn't out on the street. I understand that is a rare privilege. I work my butt off to create videos that, that feel valuable enough to be funded by the people who support me on Patreon. And while I didn't ask for it, I'm grateful for my mom's monthly $10 donation. Well, John Levine over at The Post mentions that your stepdad is also a contributor. How much does he give you? You carefully excluded that from your statement. He says, I dread having to talk about this, not because I'm ashamed of my family or background, 
but because I am the least interesting part of my work. I've never wanted my videos to be about me. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Here's my favorite, favorite thing that Carlos Maza said. Ah, they published a home address too. Unbelievable. F the New York Post and every ghoul who works there. Let me just uh, say that again. I love it. He said they published a home address, a home address, not my home address, a, you know what that means? It means he's got more than one. I love it. The ultra wealthy hypocrites who tell you to give up your right to freely trade your labor as you see fit to eat Twinkies all day if you want, and then have to pay for the health care for it. It's these people who say, let the party be in charge of what you can say, do and eat like Mike Bloomberg, people like that. The ultra wealthy elites think they're smarter than you and they should get to dictate what you can and can't do in terms of your labor. So what I can't stand about socialists is that they trick poor people into thinking that under this system, the glorious resources of the rich will trickle down to them. It will not because it's all about labor. And guess what? Here's, here's something I love with, with all the news about the health concerns happening around the world. I probably ought to get demonetized for saying that. There was one, I was reading, uh, someone tweeted about how in this European country, I forget which one, everyone can take time off and the system will cover the costs of, you know, the, 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 the health, you know, issues. What, what I find funny is if every single person in the United States had to take off work because of a quarantine, there is no money. It's the people who make the money and then give it to the government pool, which is then used to pay for people who need to go to the hospital. So if everyone stopped working, there's no money to pay for health care. It just doesn't work that way. In reality, a socialist system means after you get home from your hard day's work, you have nothing in your hands. All you can do is get on your knees and beg the party elites, the ultra wealthy who have seized the system and say, please, can I have a loaf of bread? I worked very hard today. And they're going to look you in the face and say one bread per person per family. You got your bread, move along, and you'll go wait in a bread line for that one loaf. In our capitalist system, where capitalism truly means the right to freely trade your labor as you see fit, you get home from work, you got your paycheck in your hand, and you say, today, I think I'm going to buy a dozen beautiful roses. I know it's not exactly what my family needs, but it is our right to do as we see fit to trade freely amongst each other. Well, you do have some people, and I, I, I really, really love, like, uh, I guess it's not, I don't know where it is, that someone posted that meme where it's like the peasant with the sticks on his back saying, I think we should improve society. And a guy going, yet you participate in society. Ha ha, I'm so smart. These people are not very smart at all. And that's why they vote for people like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders in 2016, very different from Bernie Sanders today, mind you, because I was, I was very much in support of a lot of things Bernie was talking about. He was more rational back then. But it's also fair to say that I was probably wrong on a lot of these issues, too. And with Bernie Sanders proposals today, like the wealth tax, never even thought about it. How does the economics work out? He doesn't know. In fact, Bernie doesn't even know how much it's going to cost to implement all of these radical programs. They just seem to think magical things exist. They don't realize that humans make stuff. And if humans stop making stuff, there's no stuff to, to, to use. They don't get it. Another person in his Twitter thread says, I too came from great privilege. And that's why I advocate for this system. Yeah, that's called guilt. That's called, you do not relate to regular people. You do not know how they think, how they feel. And you are pandering to people who are greedy and jealous. And that's what you are. 
chaotic, destructive forces, parasitic entities that think you, with all of your vast wealth, with no real world experience, no better than the rest of us, and want to take away our right to freely choose. So you know what? I will say this. I have done very, very well for myself, coming from humble beginnings as a mixed race high school dropout from the south side of Chicago who's experienced various periods of homelessness. And I worked hard and I fought hard and I struggled and I figured it out and I've done very well for myself. And I've been living a pretty good life for the past couple of years. So no, I will not bend a knee to your entire life of privilege where you've probably never lifted, done a day of hard labor in your life to tell me what I should be allowed to do. This system, while far from perfect, allows people like me and other poor people to fight and strive and gain that upward mobility. I will never bend a knee to your system of hierarchical party control, where everyone must bend the knee to the system and have no opportunity for improving their lives. Because I've seen how those systems play out. We all have. We know what happens when people like you, who grew up knowing nothing but wealth, who's never done a hard day of labor in their life, gain control, and then don't seem to understand it's the farmers who knew how to farm. It's what we see time and time again. They take the farms away from the landlords because you shouldn't be able to own land and give it to the people. Turns out the people don't know how to farm and everyone runs out of food. That system doesn't make sense. Now, I'm a pretty lefty individual. I actually think we do have problems with wealth disparity. The solutions they propose are not the answers. What we need to do is increase the bottom tier. We, we, we reduce poverty by creating opportunity, creating jobs, and helping people rise up and produce and be better, be smarter. No, that doesn't mean trickle down economics. I'm not one of those guys. It means that we need to figure out how to improve our system and instill in our young people the ability to work hard and persevere so that they can succeed too. It's people like him who doesn't know what hard work is, who is confused by how the system works. He, he is the kind of person who grows up knowing nothing but privilege and not realizing there are people who worked hard to have what they have. So it's no surprise that it's the second generation of wealth that tend to be these socialist weirdos. Everything has always been handed to them. And they say things like, have the maid do it. Doesn't that, you've heard that before, right? Have the maid do it. That's how they see the world. When they look at someone who's got no health care, they say, well, just we'll have the government give it to you. Not realizing the government, the money is a portion of the of the resources of the entirety of our society. It is poor people, middle class people and upper class people who are giving a portion of their labor to a system to then try and figure out ways to fix potholes, to, to, to give you a metaphor. But people like Maza are the let the maid do it of political commentary. They don't understand the hardship, the struggle, and the lack of resources that exists. They don't understand that you can't just snap your fingers and give everyone health care. It doesn't make sense. Resources are finite. Things must be built. Humans must do labor. But when you live your entire life in a world where literally everything around you is free, you can only assume that it should be free for everyone. It reminds me of that movie Elysium. You ever see it? Basically up in space, there's a space colony, kind of. It's like a big ring. And all the rich people live there. And they have a device that can just cure all of their ailments, literally anything, cancer, whatever. And the plot of the movie is basically for no reason, they just won't give it to the poor people. It makes no sense. That's not how things actually work. The reason why we don't give everyone health care is because health care requires human labor and we cannot take that by force. But people like Carlos Maza think we should. People like Bernie Sanders think we should. They say health care is a human right. Let me let me tell you something. Here's what I want you to do. I'm saying this metaphorically. Don't actually do this. 
I'll, I'll put it this way. If you were in the middle of the woods, buck naked, boom, there you are. Welcome to the real world. You have nothing. You have no one. Let's talk about what rights you have. You can say whatever you want. You can craft a weapon to protect yourself. You can build a home. You can walk around and say and do just about anything. But then you fall down and you break your ankle. Tell me about your right to health care now. You have a right to pursue health care. You can scream for help. But is there anyone around you to give you your human right to health care? The answer is no. And if a doctor happened to walk past you and your ankle was broken and you said, it is my right that you come here and help me, guess what they'll say? No, because they don't have to. You have no right to that individual's time and energy. Now, out of the goodness of their heart, because humans tend to be empathetic, he'd probably say, let me help you fix your ankle to the best of my abilities and we'll help get you out of here. Why? Because people tend to do right by each other. Not always, but I do think it's a tendency, but you cannot force them to do it. When you want to talk about what you truly have access to as a right, when you're in the middle of nowhere with no other humans around you, you must do the labor. If you're thirsty, you must find the water. If you're hungry, you must find the food, but feel free to say whatever you want. Go stand in the middle of the woods and yell about healthcare as a human right with two broken legs and see how long it takes for someone to actually come and fix your legs. There's not going to be any magical force. There will be no physical entity that just appears in front of you and says, now I will fix your legs because this is a right you have. It's not how things work. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Italy is now instituting hard lockdowns, hard quarantines like we saw in China, now impacting 16 million people. Some of these stories are crazy, like people trying to approach the barriers of the quarantine zones will have law enforcement aim weapons at them, things like that. And now Austria is saying it's not it's just a matter of time before the rest of these European nations start locking down their, their borders. Now, don't think it can't happen here because it is already starting. 70 people from that nursing home in Washington are now sick. In New York, they're, they're telling, F, let me just read you the headline, FDNY issues order pulling back firefighters from calls describing coronavirus sim- symptoms says it is prioritizing responses. That doesn't sound like prioritizing responses to me. Sounds like you're saying we can't have this affect our emergency personnel. Do not respond to coronavirus cases. I think it's, I think it's getting bad. I think it's going to get real bad. People don't, what people don't understand is that there are a lot of organizations, there are a lot of governments who have a vested interest in trying to downplay things for sure. I think Donald Trump has certainly been downplaying this. And I'll be fair in saying that a panic would be really, really bad. If Trump came out and said the end is nigh, of course, people would freak out more than they already are because it's exactly what happened in Australia where people are fighting over toilet paper. I kid you not. So I get it. Rock in a hard place for any government officials. It's really easy for the left to smear Trump and say it's his fault. It's his fault while screaming the end is nigh because they can always pass the buck onto him. But if, if, if he came out and said this is going to get bad, please bunker down, they'd be screaming he's, he's inciting panic. Over in Australia, check this out. It isn't Mad Max. Woman charged after fight over toilet paper. I'm going to say something I say in all of these videos of the coronavirus and then we'll read the news. It's not the apocalypse and calm down. Now, many of you who've watched all of my videos on this, you might be wondering why I keep saying it. And I'll tell you why. Because spineless fake news journalists will wait for the, the single moment where I don't mention something like that, that, and then try and use that against me because this is serious. We've seen how they're already accusing people of being fear mongers and all this stuff. So listen, the end is not nigh. The people screaming are, are, are overreacting. The truth is closer to the middle. 
There's going to be lockdowns. There's going to be supply chain disruption and people will lose their lives. It's getting worse by the day. This could end up becoming something global. Take it seriously. And if you haven't already, you need to buy some supplies. You really, really do. I just showed you that video of, uh, I'm sorry, not the video. I did show the video the other day, but I showed you the story. A woman was charged after fighting over toilet paper in Sydney. I almost don't blame her. This is a video and it's kind of shocking where one group, one family has like seven like individual toilet paper bundles. Like, so it's, so, so what they have like 35, 40 plus toilet paper rolls filling their shopping cart with toilet paper. Somebody shows up late and there's none left. They've actually started positioning guards at stores in Australia over this. And the woman apparently said, I just want one. They said, no, a fight breaks out. What did I say would happen two weeks ago? That if you don't go and take care of yourself, it will be you in the parking lot of Walmart fighting over the last can of beans with Agnes. Now, of course, my circ- the circumstances I described, it wasn't 100% accurate, but you get the gist of what I was saying. Because we are now seeing people fighting in stores. We saw some in Italy. Some guy got punched in the face. Apparently, that was about coronavirus fears. I don't know if it had anything to do with shortages, but shortages are coming. We are already seeing. To- I, I didn't. I didn't know toilet paper would be the first to go, but apparently it is. People are fighting over it. Italy is locking down 16 million people, and Austria is saying it's just a matter of time before Europe does the rest. How long do you think until the U.S. starts doing this? We've seen South by Southwest canceled, Google I/O canceled, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon. They're 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 being impacted by this. Facebook and Twitter, I think, are telling people work from home. It is only a matter of time. People are going to start limiting social interactions. People are not going to go to stores. Stores are going to get raided. Supply chain will be disrupted. This could get bad. I mean, it already is. But it hit Italy and they didn't expect it. This is what you need to understand. A couple of weeks ago, they had a few isolated cases and said, it's fine. We'll quarantine it. All of a sudden, northern Italy got hit so hard, they started implementing soft quarantines, telling people stay home. We're seeing that same thing now in the US, soft quarantine. Hey, you know, we need everybody in King County, 2.2 million people in Washington to, to work from home, stay home, don't go out. If you're over 60, don't go out. That, now it's just begun. We are seeing soft quarantine in the US. In my opinion, it's only a matter of time before we see hard quarantine. Now, I don't want to say hard quarantine in sense like your door is, is locked shut because of like what China is doing. But I think it's fair to say that you're going to see checkpoints. You're going to see, you know, limited access, supply chain disruption, and, I, and I, I hate to say it, but I think we're getting to the point where it might be too late for many people. If you have not gone out and carefully bought moderate supplies, like your regular old groceries, then you should do so as soon as you can. It might be too late for many people. Like in Seattle, we're seeing store shelves be, you know, just uh, emptied. And we have one story, uh, apparently, so, um, I'm sorry, Seattle has shut down a Starbucks because someone who worked there, I believe, had the coronavirus. They say an employee tested positive. You know what that means? It means somebody was working at that shop, had the coronavirus, and was handing out drinks or working with food. I've got even scarier information. I do. And, and listen, anybody who's trying to look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like it's Ebola and you know the world's going to get wiped out. It is going to have a serious impact on us. And Amtrak has announced a suspension of, of train rides from New York to D.C. Look at this. Amtrak takes active measures to maintain safe environment. While there are no current travel restrictions on Amtrak, we understand customers may have concerns. As a valued, val, valued customer, we are waiving change fees on all existing or new reservations. Okay, is it service adjustment? Here we go. Starting Tuesday, March 10th, a sell a nonstop service 
is suspended until Tuesday, May 26. So my understanding is that this specifically impacts a nonstop train from DC to New York. It's going to start. I mean, it, it started. I'm sorry. It started. It's from the Daily Wire. Amtrak to halt nonstop train from DC to New York. So there you go. Don't panic. That's the worst thing you can do. If you want to maximize your comfortability, your, your, your comfort, if you want to maximize your, I don't know, ability to withstand the boredom that is about to ensue, then you need to remain calm. I really don't think for the most part, we're at risk of everyone dropping dead with some zombie plague or something. No, that's silly. But the thing about this virus is that people don't have immunity. So it is spreading. It is spreading fast and it will spread further and faster. The other day I was reading a tweet from a biologist who said, we can see this hitting billions of people if it's not checked. And that's just doing basic uh, epidemiology um, tracking, you know, uh, sequencing or whatever. But I did see, I think it was from the American Hospital Association, that they're projecting a possible 94 million global infections by July. You have to wonder why these governments are freaking out. Don't listen to what the pundit class of ivory tower elites mocking you are saying. They're telling you, don't get supplies. Who cares? Don't listen to them. Do what you do. What's right in your gut. The last thing you should do, though, is go buy 50 rolls of toilet paper. That's insane. All right. Let other people have toilet paper, too. Okay, calm down. But I look at the actions, not the words. And when I see China going insane, I said it. They're going nuts for a reason. Italy underreacted. Now look where they are. Let's read a little bit of the story from Daily Beast. Italy locks down 16 million people to contain coronavirus. Rome passed a decree that will stop all movement in much of northern Italy, including the cities of Venice and Milan, to try and halt the rapid spread of the deadly coronavirus. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something I don't normally do, but I have to do it. This is a story from Reuters. More countries will have to adopt Italy-style style virus steps. I'm going to give a shout out to safeandreadymeals.com. Again, safeandreadymeals.com. It's emergency food supply. They are backlogged to a ridiculous degree. If you go there, it is likely you won't receive these supplies for months. However, we don't know how long whatever is happening will happen. So if you don't care for this stuff, by all means, ignore me. But I will tell you this right now. You should not panic. These are two-week food supplies. They have one week. I think they have one-week supplies, four-week supplies. They last for a long time. I personally have some emergency food. I went shopping. But think about this. Several weeks ago when I said you should take this seriously, there were people who went out and did. Now we're seeing in Washington, in New York, voluntary quarantines, soft quarantines. FDNY is not responding to some cases. But more importantly, the people in Europe, those of I, I got a, I got an email from someone saying that they listened to my advice and they just bought some basic. They went grocery shopping. It wasn't a big deal. And now they're on lockdown. And now the, the lockdown just became a hard quarantine. So if you didn't do it, you know, don't, you don't have to listen to me. I personally did do this. I have emergency food in little buckets and I have rice and beans and stuff. And I do not think the world is going to end. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to need it. That's the point. You hope to not need it. But I will mention YouTube is demonetizing all coronavirus related videos. The, uh, going to safeandreadymeals.com does help support my channel. And while they are backlogged, I, I personally still think it's a good idea. You notice I don't normally do shout outs for companies. I don't do it. I take this seriously and I really do mean it. I, I mean that sincerely. So safeandreadymeals.com, you can check it out. It's a, a, a major discount on their normal rates for this kind of stuff. It will be delayed for you most likely. But here's the point. No matter what ends up happening, you'll likely need this stuff at some point. People in Nashville just face a massive tornado. If they had this, many people would be better prepared. I'm not saying you want to prepare for the end of the world and build a bunker. That's ridiculous. 
But take your first aid kit, get a five gallon thing of water. You can just put it in your closet and you keep it for emergencies. That's the point. We don't expect emergencies to happen all the time. We prepare. Daily Beast says the Italian government has approved an unprecedented decree that will block all unnecessary movement for nearly 16 million people to try and stop the rampant spread of the coronavirus. The, the decree appears applies to more than a dozen provinces and extended red zones in the north of the country. Anyone defying the order will be subject to criminal charges. This draconian measure comes after the Italian civil protections authorities reported an increase in cases from 4,600 to 5,800 across the entire country in a 24 hour period between Friday and Saturday. From in that 24 hour period, they went from 147 deaths to 233. Do you, do you, do you understand when they say it's not as bad as the flu that we don't see these kinds of rapid expansion? We don't see this dramatic increase. We don't see government officials coming down with it in Iran, government officials actually dying. This is more serious with a substantially higher mortality rate. The decree limits all movements, with very few exceptions, into and out of the northern, re- northern region, which includes the city of Venice, Milan, Parma, and Modena. It is unclear what will happen to foreign nationals and tourists still in those areas. A draft of the decree was leaked to the Italian press hours before Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti, Giuseppe Conti signed it in the early morning hours, causing a mass exodus by road and rail from the affected areas. Several flights reportedly were allowed to leave from both Milan and Venice, adding confusion to an already chaotic situation. Now, all those people who are infected fled because they're scared of quarantine. There have been some things posted on the internet I've seen where people say that they're, they're scared they have it and they're worried a quarant- if, they, if they go and try and actually get treatment, they'll be quarantined and they don't want to lose their freedom. That's people. The best thing you can do if you have it is just go to the, go to the hospital. And look, if they quarantine you for a couple of weeks, it might be bad. It really might be. But think about other people. I'll tell you what. Watch some TV. You know, it's going to be a boring couple of months as this as this keeps happening. A draft of the decree was leaked. OK, we are facing an emergency, a national emergency. Conti, Conti said at a press conference around 2 a.m. after an emergency cabinet meeting ended. This is the moment of self-responsibility. Schools and many businesses have been closed in the north since February 21st, when the number of cases of COVID-19 in the country grew from just three in Rome to nearly 1,000 in Lombardy and Veneto provinces in under a week. The decree also, you know what I want to say too? A lot of people are like, it's only a thousand people. The flu infects millions. Okay, dude, listen, it's like in a couple weeks, it's because the people who are experts, the CDC and these companies, they know one person then infects another person. Those two people now infect. Now you have four, then eight, then 16, 32, 64, 120, 256. You get it. It keeps doubling. They keep infecting more and more people, but it's not even doubling. It's more than that. These individuals could, could infect 10 or so people. You might get it. And it's mild. That's true. They, they, they lied about what Donald Trump said. He said, some people get, get this. They don't realize they go to work coughing and they're fine. And then later end up just recovering from it. Trump never said it is safe to go to work if you have it. He said some people do because they don't realize he's right. 80 plus percent, 82 percent of people will be fine. 18 percent are being hospitalized and 3.4 percent are dying. These are serious numbers. We are looking at potential strains of resources. So now we can see that this 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 is crazy to see Italy do this. It really, really is. Take a look at this, though. It is only a matter of time until more European countries adopt this kind of the kind of aggressive steps that Italy is taking to combat the spread of the coronavirus, Australian Chancellor Sebastian Kurz said on Sunday. Did you just see what, what, what Italy has done? 
uh, Austrian. Did I say Australian? Austrian. Did you see what, what uh, they're doing in Italy? Locking down 16 million people, char- threatening them with criminal offenses for leaving the red zones. Austrian dude, he said it's going to hit more people. What makes you think it wouldn't come to the United States? Now we have a constitution, but in certain emergencies, don't be surprised when quarantines take precedent. It's tough. I will always uh, prioritize freedom over security. It's a balance, right? You want some security, but you want more freedom. This to me, uh, when I'm looking at the Amtrak thing, suspending the service, when I'm looking at, uh, you know, Starbucks being shut down in Seattle, someone serving drinks or working in the store where they serve drinks, having the coronavirus, it's way worse than any of us realize. I hope you're all taking it seriously enough. But now what's, what's freaky is this. The, the, the Daily News says the FDNY is pulling firefighters from answering medical calls that describe symptoms associated with the coronavirus. A department order issued Friday says 911 calls for asthma attacks, fever, coughs, and difficult breathing will be handled by the emergency medical service. Fire companies with certified first responder training that would normally accompany ambulances are being told to stand down effective immediately. The following call types will temporarily not received a certified first responder response. Now, I believe this is called an ambulance assist. The firefighters usually come out when the ambulance comes out. It looks like they're saying, don't do it. Firefighters got to prioritize fire, prioritize firefighting. They all, they're going to say FDNY spokesman Frank Dwyer defended the order as a move to prioritize resources amid the outbreak of COVID-19. Firefighters continue to respond to the highest priority medical calls, whether they are potential COVID or not, including segment one incidents, cardiac and respiratory arrests, choking and trauma uh, incidents on every call type. Additional fire and EMS resources can be dispatched as needed. Segment one refers to top priority calls. The Friday uh, order referred to segment two calls. So it sounds like what they're saying is if someone is sick, but it's not an emergency or I mean, wow, actually, no, these are emergencies are 911 calls. Let me read it. The mayor says EMS is different. And this department order shows exactly how we stand apart. EMS is once again on the front lines as the city deals with the coronavirus outbreak. Our members will go into the hot zone of people who might be infected. That is our job. All right, we, we get it. We get it. There are priority one, priority two calls, and they're sh- shifting now to priority one. But let me, let me mention something. I see a bunch of these really annoying memes where they take like a series of photos and then show a random comedian and they put a fake quote in it. it, it those things annoy me so much. It's like that comedian, comedian never said that. Stop putting them in those memes. It's like they're trying to use the image of the comedian and then make a point that's like not legitimate. And one of them said, oh, we've been there, done that SARS, MERS, Zika, swine flu. Let me ask you a question. Did the Iranian government see 10% of its members of parliament infected and many members of its government dying? Did Italy issue a hard quarantine on 16 million people? Did China lock down the entire country when these things happened? No. You know what happened during Zika? I was flying around during Zika. They put up signs at the airport and they said, hey, you might have Zika. Oh, that's it. There were during Ebola, they put up signs saying, have you traveled to these countries? Take this threat seriously. That was it. They have now they're locking down in the United States, in Europe, in Asia, in Australia. People are fighting over toilet paper in the stores. So at the very least, you can see that the panic is going to have a serious effect. A train was just shut down. It's just starting. It is just starting. If this continues to get worse, and it likely will, listen to the experts. I can't tell you who's right or who's wrong. I can tell you not to panic, and I can tell you that there are epidemiologists and experts that are saying this will get worse than we realize. There was one guy who did an interview with Channel 4 in the UK the other day. I covered this. He said that this was the most frightening disease he has ever seen because it's the ease of transmission. It's a moderate 
moderately low mortality rate, but still substantially higher than the flu, like 34 times higher, which means people are going to be spreading this around, not realizing it, being rather asymptomatic, and it's going to end up killing more people than the flu or Ebola or any other disease simply because it can be transmitted so easily. One report said it can stay on surfaces up to nine days. Incubation could be, could be as high as 27 days, up to two weeks. People who are asymptomatic could be spreading this around. Apparently, kids can be too. Now we're seeing it. We're seeing the escalation. Nursing home hit by coronavirus says 70 workers are sick. A federal, as a federal team arrived to help, a, spokesper- a spokesman for the Kirkland Washington Center said 70 staff members were out with symptoms that resembled coronavirus. What do you think happens next? It spreads. People get sick. Most people will cough, lay in bed, watch TV, and then everything will be fine. So it will ripple across many countries. But I think we're going to end up seeing a desperate attempt to stem this to the best of our abilities, and that's going to cause supply chain disruption. So I hope you take my advice seriously. You don't have to, though. You're free to think I'm stupid or crazy. I don't care. I'll tell you what. People in Australia right now fighting over toilet paper. People in Hawaii, Seattle, New York are raiding Costco stores and Walmarts and things like that. They are buying up everything. And you're going to sit there laughing about how smart you are up until the point when it gets bad enough to where you're like, man, I better go to the store and there's nothing left. But don't panic. That's even worse. I can't believe there's a video of a woman with a shopping cart full of toilet paper. That's insane. Get your single thing. Get one of them. Don't take it all. I can't believe they had to put a guard in a store to protect toilet paper. People are stupid. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel and I will see you all then. Democrats are facing a serious threat coming into the November election. And I know no one really thinks they can win with Joe Biden being the front runner, but there are some other considerations outside of the presidential race, and it's the black vote. Now, the rule apparently is if at any point a Republican can get 20% of the black vote, the Democrats can't win. I don't know if that pertains to local races or if it pertains to like congressional district races. But the fact remains that we are seeing a movement in this country with figures like Candace Owens and Kanye West that represent a new voice or maybe not, maybe not necessarily a new voice, but a growing voice among conservative black individuals. I don't necessarily know what it means, nor can I speak for them. But the polls are showing that the black community is growing, maybe at least to a certain degree, tired of the Democratic policies that have been in major cities and in their community, communities for a long time. What we're seeing now is stories like this. Quote, black Americans are waking up more African-Americans exiting Democratic Party in Blexit movement. Now, this is I believe this is Candace Owens things. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but we've seen several polls showing that Donald Trump has around 30 plus percent support in the black community. I'm not sure it's actually true, but there are several different polls saying it, one of which is Emerson, which is considered to be one of the most accurate polls, according to 538. Take it all with a grain of salt because the polls have been wrong a lot. But we are hearing anecdotal evidence to back up the data, which says to me, it doesn't matter if the Democrats came out with the best candidate in the world right now. Trump has got an amazing economy behind him. We'll see how it plays out. But let's read the story. The Christian Perspective, CBN News reports. A recent poll found that 54% of African-Americans believe the Democratic Party isn't paying enough attention to their needs. It is an issue that is leading a growing number of blacks to rethink their choices at the ballot box. For decades, African-Americans have been a key voting block for Democrats. In 2016, 89% of black, black voters supported Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. Now a movement called Blexit 
which means the exit of black Americans from the Democrat Party is encouraging African-Americans to abandon the status quo. Actually, I pulled it up. It's a very well-made website. It says, experience the movement. The Blacksit movement aims to uplift and empower minorities to realize the American dream. Sign up to receive updates and explore ways to get involved. Now, I don't know. Let's see who the founders are. We have Candace Owens and Brandon Tatum, and I believe that's the, the two founders. And I'll, I'll leave it there. Let's read the story. I mean, I think most of you are familiar with Candace Owens. Conservative firebrand Candace Owens started the organization that now boasts chapters in several states, saying, quote, black Americans are waking up. Uh, that's what she said on the Mike Huckabee show. They're realizing they've been sleeping at the wheel. And really, what I'm saying is just to embrace your future. You can be in the driver's seat of your, your future. And I don't know exactly what their message is. I don't want to speak for them, but I can say outside of whatever it may be, no matter who you are, no matter what group you're a part of, you should be criticizing your own tribe, your own group and seeking better ways. Just because someone's in a different political tribe doesn't mean that they're wrong. And just because you like your tribe doesn't mean they're always right. Stand up for what works and what makes sense. Be an individual. Danielle Robinson is, in, is the North Carolina director of Blexit. Quote, this is not a quiet time at all, Robinson told CBN News. It's an all in time. And those that are fighting this battle, those of us that are part of Blexit, we are all in because we've got nothing to lose because we've lost too much already. Robinson, who is a devout Christian, recently became a Republican. She says she's proud of specific inroads President Trump has made into the black community. They include historically low unemployment for African-Americans, prison reform, and allocating a record amount of federal money to historically black colleges. Regardless of if you like him or not, his results are undeniable. Bravo, Miss Robinson. You're correct. Um, I never expected to have a president deliver in such a way. Some liberals agree. Yes, I think if anyone, listen, what makes someone a traditional liberal, a social liberal? Policy positions. What makes someone a tribal leftist? Ignoring the facts in front of their faces. You absolutely can hate everything about Trump to the core of his being. But to pretend like the economy is bad is just a delusion. You are lying to yourselves. And that's sad, man. I got no problem saying I think Trump's foreign policy is trash. I think Obama had trash foreign policy, too. I have no problem criticizing Trump and saying he's not my choice of president. But I also have absolutely no problem recognizing how good things are going. Why? I'm not a crazy person. Why is it so hard for people just to say these things? It's, you know, it's listen, if you can't recognize your defeats, if you can't recognize your failures, you can't improve yourself. If you want to know why you lose to Trump, it's because you are not speaking to America. You are not speaking to these black individuals who have who have found some solace in the in the, in the Republican Party, along with Don, Donald Trump. Simply pointing to people and calling them names will not solve any problems or convince anyone of anything. And you know what? I know I'm preaching to the choir on this one, but it breaks my heart to see how many people have have left the left. I know the left left us is a better way to put it. But it feels like the only alternative for people like me, for sane, rational, moderate and liberal voices or individuals, people who are even quiet, is to just walk away. And I get it, man. I really, really get it. And, and, and I have respect for that. The issue I'm concerned about is letting lunatics take over your party. To me, you know what? You shouldn't, you shouldn't allow it. Stand up. But I, I, I get it. Perhaps the better strategy is walking away. 
because then you're left with, you know, the, the, the Democratic Party can just be a husk of, of a withered husk shriveling up in the corner, a dry shell of what it used to be. If everyone walks away, then perhaps they'll realize they'll never win again. As more and more individuals in the black community start to walk away, it's a serious threat to Democrats. Check out, they have a quote here from Van, I think they have a quote here from Van Jones. Following the president's recent State of the Union address, CNN analyst Van Jones issued a warning. We've got to wake up, folks. There's a whole bubble thing that goes on. We say, well, he said S whole nations, therefore all black people are going to hate him forever. That ain't necessarily so. I think what you're going to see him do, you may not like my rhetoric, but look at my results and my record for black people. If he narrow casts that, it's going to be effective. That's it. Van Jones has been spot on with a few of his comments recently. I'm, I'm, I'm especially this stuff. He's he's exact. He's saying exactly what some of these other people are saying. That yeah, Trump's a mean guy, but he works for you, right? Trump might be one of the worst people ever to sit in that office in terms of character and attitude, but boy, does he get the job done, right? I am not saying I think he gets the job done. I think it's fair to point out some things he has gotten the job done on. Weapons in Saudi Arabia, meet no fan, not a fan, nah, none of that. Now, if we can pull off the Afghan peace agreement, woo, wow, that'll be huge. That, that, listen, I'm, I'm somebody who traveled around the world, world covering, covering conflict and crisis. I've always been more, much more focused on foreign policy issues up until the past several years when this started to dominate the news cycle. And I started getting more into political commentary. So I can absolutely start you know, looking at domestic policy and start paying attention more to that. But I still have a special place in my heart for the things we do around the world. War is bad. Now, war can be good for some people sometimes, and war can be an unnecessary, uh, I'm sorry, a necessary evil in some capacities. You know, if, 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 if war breaks out, it's not always the fault of the people who are fighting in the war. We, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult circumstance. You need to understand how conflicts arise. If there is a nation that is on the brink of collapse due to a lack of resources, and they fight for their survival by trying to steal resources from someone else, well, you understand it, right? Given the opportunity to steal a loaf of bread or lose your life, people are going to make the heart, they're going to make that bad choice. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm saying we, we need to solve this problem and end these things. I know that when it comes to conflict and international conflict, it's not, it's not so cut and dry. The point I'm trying to make is I think we can do better. I think we should do better. I think Trump has done better than a lot of presidents, and I can respect him for that, but come on. I can't excuse Saudi, Arabi- Saudi Arabian weapons deals that are going to boost our economy that are great for Americans. That's just us selling weapons, taking the, taking the quick buck. Not a fan. But, but aside from that, many people are more focused on domestic policy. And I, I, it's fair, okay? I, you, you guys know I look at foreign policy a lot more than I look at domestic policy. I can't blame someone who's focused on the economy in America for looking at Trump and saying, wow, he's nailing it. Because I would agree. When it comes to domestic economic policy, he's done it. Now you get the left complaining that Trump is a socialist because he's, you know, jokingly they say it, because he's giving subsidies to farmers of the tariffs. Well, you know what, man? What, what, what do you expect? We've, we've given up so much of our manufacturing to China and Donald Trump needed to figure out a way to, to stop that. There were these hard ties to foreign countries that made it so we weren't producing what we needed to produce. Donald Trump implemented tariffs. It hurt a lot of farmers. There's a lot of problems there. So Trump tries a lot rectifying it by issuing subsidies. Uh, I don't know exactly how, how, how they paid out in that regard, but I'm, it's not perfect. And anybody who acts like Donald Trump has been a perfect president, look, you need to open your eyes. I'm not saying he's a bad president. In fact, I th- I'm saying he's doing a pretty good job on the economy. But anybody who's going to pretend like their person is the perfect person, oh, grow up, man. 
And, I, and they're not even saying that. That's what I respect about, you know, these Blexit individuals. They're straight up saying like, regardless of if you like him or not, the results are undeniable. I completely respect it. That is exactly what I look for in sane, rational dialogue. Someone who can say, here are the problems with the guy, but here are the things that are good. I think the good outweighs the bad or vice versa. That's a real political conversation. Now, right now, what we're seeing, in my opinion, is the Democrats, they're all or nothing. They're, if you support this man, you are the worst of the worst. Everything he does, he does is bad, no matter what. And that is not appealing to people like me. I will admit, I am one of the worst people to try and convince because I'm a milquetoast fence sitter. So don't look at me like I'm, the, I'm, I'm regular America and I'm going to be a, rep, a, rep, a representation of who's going to vote for what. But maybe, maybe I think most people just don't pay attention. You got to really rile them up. Maybe you can't do it. Or maybe you line their pockets with gold, which is, it seems to be what Donald Trump is doing. Regardless, I'll wrap this one up. Joe Biden, he's what they have. Now he did better than Bernie Sanders, the black community in South Carolina. But you think Joe Biden's going to beat Trump. I'm sorry, man. You've, you've lost the plot. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. You'll love to see it. Justice fighting back against the fake news media. Donald Trump is one of the most powerful men on the planet and has been for a very long time. In fact, his whole life, basically. Getting a million dollar loan from your dad, that's a big deal. That gives you a lot of power, more than most people on the planet. Donald Trump becomes a billionaire, one of the most powerful people on the planet. Now he's the president of the United States, one of the most powerful people on the planet. But even he has trouble dealing with the fake news media. Now, to an extent, I like this. There are some good things here, right? Like a a strong press going up against one of the most powerful people in the world. I absolutely can respect. Man, we have an awesome country, don't we? Think about this. They can lie all day and night. They get away with it. Maybe things are a little too good here for our press. I'm kidding. I think it's great. I'll tell you what, the system tends to be a good one. If you lie, you will be sued. And the media has been relentlessly lying about Trump nonstop. One of the latest things they, they, I, I, they lied about him. There are certain things I can't talk about on YouTube. I'll just say it, whatever. They lied about Donald Trump when he said that some people who go to work have the coronavirus and don't realize and get better. And they publish all of these stories now where they then say that, oh, Trump said it was okay to go to work. It's all lies, man. Russiagate for three years. Trump escalates fight against press with libel lawsuits. Excellent. He probably will not win, but at least he is fighting back. Because for too long, the media has been just lying. These people are disgusting, disgusting individuals. They lie about me. They lie about you. They lie about Trump. They lie about Trump supporters. They lie about a rally in Virginia. They are liars, manipulators, deceivers. And it's about time people started fighting back against them. You know what I really love? You guys ever watch Project Veritas's Retracto segments they do? And they have that song with Retracto, the alpaca. I love it. The song's great. And I love watching him put on the wall retractions from liars. These people are either so stupid, they can't Google search and look up what actually happened because they're lazy as well. But some of them actively lie, thinking they'll get away with it. So I love it when people push back. I love, I love those Project Veritas videos. He's got that wall of all the retractions. It's excellent. Mm, excellent. Finer than the finest Italian pasta, I will tell you. Let's read the story from The Hill and see what's going on. The Trump campaign's libel lawsuits against The New York Times, The Washington Post, and CNN mark a dramatic escalation in the president's long fight with the media. Legal experts have said the suits are dead on arrival, failing to meet the high bar to prove defamation on a public figure. 
but they fear an environment in which the in which powerful elected officials try to use the courts to intimidate the press. The concern here is not that one of these suits would win on the on, on the merits. It's the chilling effect that it has on public discussion of political affairs. Jonathan Peters, the Columbia Journalism Review's press freedom correspondent and a University of Georgia media law professor told The Hill, let me stop you right there and just point out, I don't know exactly how the legality works, but I'm pretty sure if say like I published a story and someone tried suing me, I think I could then file a claim for legal fees. Maybe I'm wrong about this. So I get compensated. The challenge is whether or not some of these organizations can actually muster a legal defense. But I'm sorry, if you mean to tell me that someone's going to use the legal system as it stands against you, and that's a chilling effect and unfair, uh, what are you doing in this industry? It's not like Trump's creating special rules to go after you. He's literally using the legal system as it stands. If you have not prepared for that, then you got another thing coming. When I worked for these other news organizations, they have legal departments and lawyers to make sure everything's on the up and up. And yeah, it costs money. But guess what? Welcome to the news business. If you want to make claims about someone, don't be surprised if they file a lawsuit against you. Sometimes people file frivolous suits. Those tend to get dismissed outright. It is very difficult to win a defamation case. It may be that Donald Trump's suits are dead on arrival, but at least he is filing them. And if, and if they are, the courts will dismiss it and Trump will lose. Congratulations. That's literally how civil court works. Trump has regularly attacked the press, often referring to reporters as the enemy of the people. But the latest lawsuits targeting an op-ed from The Times, one from CNN and two separate opinion columns from The Post, mark the first time he has sued news organizations as president. After filing the complaint against The Times, Trump warned that more were coming. Yeah, well, CNN recently settled with the Covington kids. They smeared them. The lawsuits filed in consecutive weeks alleged the outlets knowingly published false information about the president and opinion pieces that touched on the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. The lawsuit filed in federal court in Washington, D.C. against The Post cites a June 2019 piece from The Post opinion writer Paul Waldman. Quote, the 2020 election will obviously be distinct in all kinds of ways we can't yet anticipate, Waldman wrote. For instance, who knows what sort of aid Russia and North Korea will give to the Trump campaign now that he has invited them to offer the, their assistance. In the sentence, Waldman linked an ABC interview in which Trump suggested he would accept potentially damaging information from a foreign government about a political opponent. The campaign argues that statement was defamatory because no Trump associate has made a statement inviting assistance from Russia or North Korea. The campaign also takes issue with an opinion article that said the Russian Russia probe found found Trump's team, quote, tried to conspire with and happily profited off of Moscow efforts. The lawsuit against the Times filed in New York state court alleges the paper defamed Trump in a March 2019 op-ed that claimed the president and his associates had an overarching deal with Russia in 2016. The special counsel report from Robert Mueller did not find evidence to conclude that Trump's campaign conspired or coordinated with Russia in 2016, but did find multiple links between campaign officials and Russian government individuals. And you can say the same thing about Barack Obama. Spare me. Just, you know what? I'm just so tired of it. The CNN lawsuit filed on, uh, I read that one, sorry. Wait, no, 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 I didn't. They say the CNN lawsuit filed on Friday in federal court in Georgia cites an op-ed in which author Larry Noble, a former Federal Election Commission uh, general counsel, 
wrote that the Trump campaign assessed the potential risks and benefits of, again, seeking Russia's help in 2020 and has decided to leave that option on the table. Where do they get this from? They just make it up. The Times and Post have vowed to fight the suits, which will have which will have to overcome stringent free speech protections under precedent from the landmark 1964 case, New York Times v. Sullivan. The Supreme Court has held that a plaintiff must prove defendants made statements at issue either knowing they were false or in reckless disregard for the truth. The court also grants wide freedom for opinions dealing with matters of public knowledge. First Amendment experts, though, are more worried about the broader implications, noting that smaller news organizations may not have the resources to fight such complaints and that they may suppress opinion pieces out of fear of retaliation. The Times and the Post. Well, I'll tell you what, man, the media today is dominated by nothing but opinion pieces. I'll I'll take full responsibility too. everything you watch for me, just opinion pieces. Hey, it is what it is. But it's fair to say if people are concerned about putting out fake news or, or, or their opinion pieces could be threatened, then maybe you need to get back to doing regular news. I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you smaller companies. There, there is a risk there. I can respect that. Absolutely. But the legal system as it stands, you know the rules. And it's always true. Rich people can do things. It's, it's tough. We'll, we'll, we'll figure things out. The system isn't perfect, but it is what it is. And we all knew the rules when we got involved. The Times and the Post have the resources to hire excellent legal counsel who will demonstrate why these lawsuits are completely meritless. Brian Haas, a staff attorney for the ACLU, Speech Technology and Privacy Project, told The Hill. But news publications or even individuals who don't have access to these resources are very naturally going to think twice before saying something criticizing the president if they're worried the president's campaign team is going to be filing even a meritless defamation lawsuit against them. Yeah, well, these people are lying. They're not just giving their opinions. They are making things up. I'm just so sick of it. They they talk about uh, anti-slap laws, strategic lawsuits against uh, public participation, uh, which press advocates say, are filed with the intent of silencing discussion on topics of public concern and drawing out lengthy, financially burdensome court disputes. Well, yeah, right. So they're claiming that Trump is trying to actually gain, uh, 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 engage in what's called a slap lawsuit. I, don't, I, I disagree. I think you have these news stories definitively making things up. So Trump sues. I mean, look, they're saying that Trump has put the option on the table of taking help from Russia. He didn't take help from Russia in the first place. He didn't collude with Russia. You made that up. The press made all of that up. I, you know, I'm glad he's fighting back. Let's read the end. They say, as president, uh, as president, Trump has threatened to take a closer look at the nation's libel laws. Trump claimed in January 2018 that current libel laws were a sham, and he sought to prevent the publication of a book by writer Michael Wolff. He has also threatened to sue the Daily Beast and others while in office. It's no coincidence that a president who refers to the press as the enemy of the people is, is out there filing meritless defamation suits, Haas said. Courts will see through these lawsuits, but the danger posed by them is that would-be critics of the president will look at the suits and think twice before speaking their mind. You know, there is a concern there. I believe in the freedom of the press, but we have a, we have a different problem here. We have essentially freedom to lie. It's, it's gotten to that point where the media just pumps out lies all day and they use weasel words to accomplish this. The courts are, in my opinion, being much too lenient on lies. I get it. There's a fine line and typically people want to err on freedom of speech and I absolutely respect that. I don't know where to draw the line. I am rather happy with things are, where things are to a certain degree. But what happens when someone, here's what someone did to me. They wrote a story lied about me claiming I pushed conspiracy theories linked to an activist post, which was complete BS. 
and a bunch of other outlets just picked it up and started recycling it. And then the original guy pulled the source out of the article. So now it was a closed loop of a bunch of people citing each other, making things up. And what can you do about it? You can't sue them. It was an opinion. They use weasel words. They'll say, you know, Trump, uh, I'm not, oh, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm not going to give you a specific example, but I'll just tell you what they claimed about me was that I pushed conspiracy theories. Define that. What does that mean? Well, we just meant that he was talking about it. Mm-hmm. But the average person hears that and they think you were actually saying it was true. If you make a video, if you give a speech and you say, this is the conspiracy theory, it's not true. They'll claim you pushed it by putting the idea out there by push. That's how they play the game. Weasel words. And you can't sue over it. But you know what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's mind numbing. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. I will see you all shortly. I did a Google search for Trump supporter attacked and attack Trump supporter. And uh, do you know what comes up? Do you think a bunch of stories pop up where it's like a, a roving band of Trump supporters targeted a little old lady? A roving band of men in MAGA hats yelling, this is a MAGA country, smashed windows. Nope. What comes up is Trump supporters who are victims of crimes from harassment to, you know, just, you know, general harassment and also physical attacks. Which brings me to this story. California man who attacked MAGA hat wearing bar patron in restroom faces four years in prison. Wow. Four years in prison. So I saw this. I did a Google search. And of course, all of the stories in recent history are, the, are Trump supporters being victims. And I want to explain to you one, one quick thing that I've mentioned in other videos. But now that I got your attention in the beginning, do you know why all these big companies bend the knee to the left? Google search attacks political Trump or whatever. And you'll see why. The far left will beat you. They will smash your window, set fires. So all these companies bend over backwards saying, please, I'm such a pathetic loser. I'm such a loser. Please don't hurt me. I'll tell you what. When the far left wants to show up with a crowbar and threaten to whack me with it, I'll say, just whack me with it. You, want, you, don't, you don't believe me? Watch the video of me in Boston when the Antifa guy got in my face, started swinging at me, and I stood my ground. But too many of these people are pathetic and refuse to do anything about it. Stand up for yourself for once. Grow a spine. Well, at least we can see some consequences. This guy's facing four years in prison. Fox News reporting. A California man faces four years in prison for attacking a bar patron who was wearing a red Make America Great Again hat in a restroom last year. David Delgado, 32, pleaded no contest to one count of felony assault by means of force likely to produce great bodily injury, the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office said in a news release. The attack happened on September 2nd, 2019 at a restaurant in downtown Hermosa Beach. The victim was wearing a red hat with white lettering written in Russian that translated to Make America Great Again, the prosecutor said. Delgado approached the man and asked him what was written on the hat, police said. After the victim responded, police said the suspect repeatedly punched him in the face. The victim fell to the ground and Delgado continued to punch him before eventually stealing his hat and fleeing from the restaurant, according to police. Authorities said they used surveillance footage to identify Delgado and arrest him at his home without incident. Delgado is scheduled to be sentenced May 28th. Throw the book at this man. Now, I'll I'll be honest with all of you. I think four years is a long time. I don't know if it's going to solve any problems. I don't, I don't like the idea of how our criminal justice system works. Donald Trump, in fact, had uh, led the charge on bipartisan criminal justice reform, and that generated a lot of support in the black community for him. So four years, I don't know. What I do know is I'm glad to see this guy was arrested, charged, and he pled. 
It would have been great to see him convicted by a jury of his peers, but he pled no contest. Now, it's a weaseling out that no contest basically means you're giving up, but you don't admit guilt. It exists. So you say, I never pled guilty, but you know, the prosecution basically wins. Typically, the, you know, if you plead not guilty, you'll get a really harsh penalty. And my general understanding is that a no contest plea, you get a harsher penalty to an extent. There's something called a, a trial tax or a jury tax. And that's if you plead not guilty in any instance, the court typically will punish you much more harshly than if you plead guilty because as most of us know, it's because they feel like you're wasting their time. But the, the excuse they give is that they feel like you haven't learned your lesson by admitting guilt. Well, okay. So, so, so to get off that tangent, back to the main point, I'm never a big fan of locking people up and throwing away the key and giving them lengthy prison sentences. But I want you to think about what this story is. A man minding his own business, wearing a hat, and some crazy dude walks up to him and starts repeatedly bashing him in the face. Lock that dude up. It's not even about reforming him to an extent. I'm I'm all about rehabilitation, but this dude is dangerous and violent and attacks random people. Lock that dude up. I am I I am a rather freedom-minded person, but as a liberal, I think it's a good thing that we have criminal justice, English common law, innocent until proven guilty. Well, this guy got found out on camera. They saw him doing it. He got arrested, and now he is going to go away for a long time. You want to argue about the length of time? I'm totally down. But it's about time we start seeing justice in this regard. Too often in our current political landscape, it is Trump supporters getting beaten and knocked down. And you know what? It's a challenge, but the media lies about this. It's it's how the media plays this game. They ignore the stories. They lie about the stories. Is it any surprise to you that it's Fox News I'm reading this on? You think Bernie Sanders supporters are going to come out and say, oh, what a horrible thing. Or these resistance Democrat types are going to come out and talk about it. Nope. They'll push fake news, though. You know, certain people like Sean King, for instance, they'll push fake news, making false claims about fake victims. You'll see Juicy Smoulier. That guy tried to get the the Supreme Court. I I think it was the Illinois Supreme Court to dismiss his case. They said, nope, you're going to trial, buddy. I think he got six new felony indictments. Here's what you will get when you Google search Trump supporters and attack or otherwise. You will find stories, fake hate crimes. There was a recent story. A couple people ran some kids off the road, some kids on bikes with Trump flags, ran them off the road. And then apparently on video said that if they tried to do anything about it, they would claim that the kids were yelling racial slurs, hoax, hate crime, Jussie Smollett, hoax, hate crime. Now, okay, innocent until proven guilty. We'll wait to see what the courts decide on Jussie Smollett. But most of us have basically already determined as such. I think it's dangerous. I certainly think Jussie is, is guilty. I do think there's an important reason why we have our justice system set up the way it is. So I look forward to hearing a court decree that this man staged this. The police seem to think they have the evidence to prove it. I'm going to wait and see the conviction. I think that's fair. I also think it's fair to say based on the evidence we've seen so far. Come on, man. Who believes that guy? A couple dudes showed up in the middle of the night yelling MAGA country. The stories we hear from the left about Trump supporters attacking them are caricatures of real life, just like we see with, you know, feminist movies. You watch a movie like Birds of Prey. Remember that? I, I did a, some reviews on it. You basically have a plot that's based upon these perceived slights that don't exist. One of the character's motivations is that this man got a promotion over me. That's the, they live in this weird world that doesn't exist. And that's exactly what we see from the left when they hoax these hate crimes. They, what, were they, what was Jesse Smollett thinking with having two guys scream MAGA country? He could have literally just said he was walking on the street. And he saw a guy get out of a car with a Trump bumper sticker and he started yelling stuff at him and they got into a fight. 
People would be like, oh, that sounds believable. Guy with a Trump bumper sticker? Yeah, that could happen. But two guys in MAGA caps yelling MAGA country who happen to have a jar of uh, bleach? What are you thinking? It's insane. Now look at this story. A guy says he's wearing a hat and someone started repeatedly punching, repeatedly punching him in the face. It's entirely believable. It's based in reality. It's not a caricature of anything. We've seen Antifa. We've seen the fringe far left going out and smashing windows. So when you hear a story like this, you're like, makes sense. These are the two disparate realities. You will find these when you read all of the news. And I have, you know, I want to say I wonder why the media doesn't cover it properly. I'm not surprised. I get it. It's bias. And we all know it's bias. But for some reason, every single day we can see these and still no reaction. It was like July of 2016. I can't remember. I was in San Jose and I watched a guy walking on the sidewalk, minding his own business, and someone whacked him in the back of the head with what was described as a bag of rocks. And the guy started bleeding. And he was like, what? Like, why? He just came out with a sign. They started spitting on him and all that stuff. That was when I first started to see how insane these people were. So think about how this impacts marketing, commercials, social media, the rules. I hate to say it, but as long as these people aren't being charged and arrested, as long as they're attacking people and getting away with it, the more it will happen. Now, you've had some people say that Antifa should be designated a terror organization or something like that. You know, maybe... I don't know. It's a it's it's a banner. It's a loose knit group, kind of like you know pirates, I guess. No, I'm calling them pirates makes them sound too cool. Fine, whatever. They're a bunch of whiny, weak little kids who go around bashing skulls because they have emotion. They're they're emotionally disturbed. But when these people get away with it, when the media won't call them out, they have absolutely no incentive to stop. But worse still, when big media companies and tech tech companies actually bend the knee to these lunatics, they're encouraged to do it more. You have a media that will call a Trump supporter all of the worst names in the book. And because of that, brands are scared to associate with Trump supporters. But then you have these people who go around bashing skulls and brands have no problem aligning with these groups. Do you know that J.K. Rowling recently put in a permit to get a a 1.2 meter high fence? Not very high. It's like four feet. But she wanted to put in a security gate in front of her house because she's been getting a bit of the harsh business on Twitter for daring to stand up for a woman who said that men can't change into women, an opinion on the internet. And that was enough to incite threats against a, th- this author who now needs a security gate. As long as these people don't get banned and the media and our society doesn't call them out, it will continue to get worse. I don't know what, what, what the answer is going to be. How do you make the media care when the media basically is full of people who like what's happening? I don't know. I can tell you that if it isn't stopped, the system will continue to shake until it shakes enough and destabilizes. I don't think anybody wants that to happen. I mean, I guess except for them. But you can see it here in these stories. We're starting now to see some enforcement. Okay. I look forward to seeing Justice Millette face justice. I look forward to seeing this guy face justice. And hopefully this is a change where we can start, we can start putting an end to this kind of lunacy. There's, there's real challenges involved in where you draw the line at security. We can can argue these Trump supporters should defend themselves, and they should to a certain degree. But you know what? The way things are set up right now, these people have an easy pass towards going around and attacking innocent people. This is a good start. Lock them up. Lock them all up. Remember Bike Lock Basher in Berkeley? That guy got what, probation? Nah, four years in prison. But you know what? This guy might actually get probation. And that to me is, is, is worrisome. If these people keep getting away with it, you know what'll happen. I'll leave it there. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out.